This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host... Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with your FinFans podcast. Uh, with me today, I've got Jim Johnson and uh, Daniel, the new daddy, Reinhardt. What up, FinFans? Hey y'all. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the franchise, uh, as opposed to our normal show. We'll have our normal show next week. So guys, what are you thinking? Jim, why don't you tell me? Ha, huh. what am I thinking about What are last- you thinking? What am I thinking? Well, we've had uh, a few bad bad games in a row here, and the injuries are just completely off the charts. I've never I've never seen a year where we had so many players out on offense, especially. We've got what I think nine of eleven starters that are out uh, didn't play last week. So we've got. Uh, a mash unit out there trying to complete an offensive line, a backup quarterback, and uh, we've got receivers out left and right. You know, we all knew it was going to be a struggle to score points against Green Bay. And, you know, I, I thought we might be okay in that game. We we actually moved the ball half decent. We got down into the red zone and just couldn't get into the end zone. But we completed, you know, we did get into those, that red zone more than, more often than I expected us to. Uh, if we could have just uh, maybe had some better execution there in the red zone, we could have got into the end zone. It might have been a different ball game. But, you know, that second half, you know, the offensive line, you know, you just couldn't, couldn't hold them back. And no time for Osweiler to do anything. And... I think defensive coordinators know exactly how to manage Osweiler, and you saw it on in that game, the last two games. Really, we've got no no nothing going on on offense. So we've got a we've got a mash unit here to try to piece back together, and and we've got two weeks to see what we can do. Um, but you know we're running out of bodies to put out there, so. It's going to be hard moving forward to get offense back in gear. I don't ever remember a season where you had so many offensive players that were out. It's 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 really hard to imagine. I can't imagine trying to game plan when you've got realistically second and third string players, some of them that wouldn't even be on an NFL roster on any other team, and yet you've got to try to execute some complicated offensive plays that's that's not easy to do it's not easy to do at least not do well 
that's what they have practice for, right? That's why coaches get paid. So, that's yeah, it. for me. So I'll start by saying that I was kind of in and out of that game against Green Bay. I was in the hospital with a brand newborn baby boy, and just wanted to let all you Finn fans know that his name is Kaysen Taylor Reinhardt. He was born on Saturday the tenth. So we were in the hospital, and I was I was paying attention to the game as much as I could, but it was it was basically exactly what I thought it was going to be. Hey, 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 Daniel, Daniel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shoot, Kaysen Taylor. That sounds an awful lot like Jason Taylor. Kaysen Taylor Reinhardt. <laughs> he is a future NFL defensive end and Hall of Famer if Daddy does his job right. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. He's a future Hall of Famer. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Da- if Daniel, major congratulations, man. Well done. Thank you very Absolutely. much. He's he's my third-born son. My first-born's name is Ethan Marino, and this one is Case and Taylor. So we definitely have Finn blood in the family, and we're going to keep that. We're going to continue that. Uh, we're never going to give that up. We bleed aqua and orange. So uh, moving on past that. Well, hold on a second. You should get a dog named Zonka like Shula did. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not saying that that won't happen. Okay. But I'm thinking probably if I do get a dog, it's going to be named Touchdown. Uh, I've been wanting to name a dog Touchdown for a long time. So we'll see. Maybe if we get uh-huh. more than one, we can go Zonka. So moving on to the game against Green Bay, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, I will say this though, being down as many offensive starters as we were. I was very surprised to see, in in specifics, that opening drive. Now, I'm sitting in the hospital, and I'm thinking to myself, there is no way we score on this opening drive down 9 of 11 offensive starters. And this is the second game in a row that we had a good-looking opening drive that stalled as we got closer. Now, when the fumble, when the, the snap went through Brock's hands and, and the fumble went over to Green Bay, I mean, I, I knew at that point that it was going to be a really rough day for us. But I was looking at that opening drive and I was seeing some promise regardless of the fact that, you know, we're down so many guys. Moving forward, it's going to be really, really, really important for us to convert those drives that we get inside the 30, let alone inside the green zone, you know, inside those 20s, into touchdowns. Now, I don't know how many times we were inside the 30, but it seemed like every time I looked up, we were on Green Bay's side of the field with an opportunity to score, and we could not convert those points into touchdowns. I thought our defense played extremely well early in that game, and after being on the field for so much, they just they couldn't stop Rodgers, and, and he was able to take advantage of it just kind of like I thought he was going to. But I thought our defense played pretty well. They Moving forward. They were gashed in the they were. Game. Yeah, they were gashed in the running game, I guess. I I uh I don't know what the best path for them to stop the run is. Aaron Jones ran over us like a like an all pro. And we've seen that a couple of times this year. We've seen Lamar Miller do the same thing. We've seen Carry on Johnson do the same thing. And I'm tired of watching that, but I thought our pass defense played well against Rodgers for the most part. Um well, we got they the did- guy X they didn't need to pass the ball as much because they were getting seven yards of carry from the running back. So Yeah, more than that is from what I could tell. Um, but we did have X playing really well and Devontae Adams. And and I seen flashes of some good things from that Fitzpatrick defense. Fitzpatrick as well. Yeah. yeah, Fitzpatrick played the most snaps he's played at the outside cornerback position, after, especially after Bobby McCain went down. Um, but we got drubbed, and, and I expected us to get drubbed, and that's what 
what happened. I, I said going into the game, I had no expectations, so any bright spots were extra bright. Um, and like I said, I, I liked some of the things I've seen from the defense. Not the running game, obviously, but uh, some of the things. And so I, it didn't surprise me, and, and I'm ready to move on to a nice relaxing bye week. What about you guys? I'm going to miss it Sunday. I always do, but uh, this is one Sunday. I, I figure I'll find something else to do. <laughs> I'll definitely be busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you will be. Yeah, you're going to be busy be. for a while. Yeah, no yeah. time off for you, Sonny. Yeah, for uh -huh. sure. But, you know, the bye week, uh, is is that a good time this year? But, uh, you know, how many guys are we actually going to get back just because we got two weeks off? Uh, we're going to, uh, at least they got, Gase has got some extra time to try to come up with a plan to utilize some of these uh, other bodies. Maybe he can uh, surprise us all. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to see Jakeem Grant or Devontae Parker back. I just, Parker, once he gets hurt, he it's hard for him to get back on the field. And Jakeem, I think he barely avoided tearing his Achilles. And, and word is that he'll probably be out for a little while. Kenny Stills will probably get a little chance to be healthier coming back against Indianapolis. And I obviously we've got Albert Wilson already out. So it's going to be a big opportunity for the young guys that are moving up, like Carew. And, and I think Isaiah Ford and Rashawn Scott might even get a chance to play. And it's going to be really uh, it's going to be really important for us to see what those guys can do. Well, there's no doubt they're going to need somebody to step up because uh, they don't have much left. You know, Amendola has been yep. doing a solid job, but he just doesn't have the wheels to uh, threaten the end zone much. Yep. So we'll see. Yeah, it would think... be, be nice to have Kenny Stills healthy again because, you know, he, he – he can really get behind the defense and score some touchdowns for us. And the last game, it didn't look like he had the speed that he'd usually had. So we need him healthy for sure. Yeah, he's definitely playing at less than 100%. And I think speaking of less than 100%, I think that's why they held Juwan James and Laramie Tunzel out of that game. I think that was more preventative than anything else. They probably could have played if they had to. At least that's my intuition. But holding them out of that Green Bay game gives them an opportunity to get really healthy for this final stretch. It's going to be, um, it's going to be imperative we have them at full strength. Yeah, I suppose if you look at the matchups, uh, do you play them in a game that you don't have a great chance of winning? It's an NFC game. It doesn't impact the you know, division record or anything. So in the cold. Yeah, I mean. It's a tough call. You always want to win the game, but you know if, if you've got two guys with hobbled knees trying to play on the corners, uh, you, they're just going to get beat and injured anyway. So you you're better off setting them. Yeah, we need them for those division games coming down the line. You know we've got the Patriots in Miami and we got Buffalo twice. It's going to be it's going to be something that we absolutely need them at full strength for those games in particular. Well, the truth is it was an NFC game, and uh, those have prioritized the games. Yep. Uh, but when you're trailing, you know, uh, other teams, I don't know that you can afford to do that. You've got to take every game like it's a must-win game. You have, but, seen, you have you know, seen the standings, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the AFC, bud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now we go to Indy, and, and the Colts are going to present us some challenges. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll talk about that next week, so stay yes, tuned for that yes, we Colts will. preview game. Pre Colts preview podcast. There you Excuse go. Me. See how many interceptions we can get. All right, guys. So we want to take a few minutes and uh, 
toss around some theories. I, I think the common perception out there is that uh, uh, the management team is clueless. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just flying by the seat of their pants and why are they signing all these old guys and just all the nonsense that you hear day in and day out, most of it being uh, negative and uh, uh, not ver very flattering to Tannenbaum or Greer or Gase or any of them. But I wonder if, if maybe they don't know what they're doing. So what I've tried to do is take a look back and uh, as well as a look forward and, and try and figure out what I think they might be doing. You guys know uh, Ross is 78 years old. He's, he's not a young guy. When he hired Gase, I'm sure in his mind he knows his time is running out. So I'm pretty sure he took it as a very serious hire. Okay. I know uh, he was on their short list of candidates. He, he was probably uh, their favorite of the group, at least uh, uh, I know he was on a lot of people's short lists. So I, I know Ross really wanted to sign him, and he targeted him, and he got him. Uh, now, he signed him to a five-year deal. At the same time, they, they appointed uh, Greer, uh, who had not been a GM before, to oversee uh, the GM duties, knowing that Tannenbaum was there to guide him if he, if he needed it. They put uh, free agency in the contracts in uh, Tannenbaum's hands. Uh, they gave Gase final say on the 53-man roster. Now, uh, that's interesting because it's something that they've refused to do since Jimmy Johnson was coach. It was one of the big reasons why uh, Nick Saban decided to leave. Uh, they just don't give that freedom out to anybody. So... Uh, you know that, like I said, this was a serious hire. This is a guy that they honestly believed in. Um, so to me, that says they were all in on Gase. Now, why would that be? Well, I think because of his history with quarterbacks. Uh, it's well said that he's a quarterback guru and all that stuff, and I know everybody's questioning that now, but... If you look at his past, uh, he, he had success with Tim Tebow. He had success with Peyton Manning. Manning had the best offense in NFL history under his direction. You can't discount that. As good as Manning is, you can't discount that. Uh, he worked with Jay Cutler and got a successful season out of him. He worked with John Kitna. He helped him. So, I mean, you know, he, he's worked with various quarterbacks and had different degrees of success with them. So, Ross... Knew he had Tannehill. Now, he, he knew that uh, uh, Tannehill had struggled, but you got to remember, he came from Texas A&M. Uh, Mike Sherman felt strongly enough about him that he came to Miami to work under Philbin to uh, be the offensive coordinator. So, you know, he gave a lot of input about the quarterback. He must have. Uh, there's no way they make that move without Sherman saying, this is this guy can do it. And uh, in the beginning, Philbin was on board because he had to okay all this uh, initially. So, you know, and Philbin and, and Tannehill had a falling out, whatever happened there. You know, Philbin maybe just decided he wasn't the guy. Maybe he didn't like his attitude. Who knows what happened? But uh, they had a falling out. And, and I wonder if uh, uh, maybe Ross felt that uh, it was personal and not necessarily professional. So uh, I think Ross was still in Tannehill's corner. So he hired Gase, and he hired Gase to see about advancing this kid's career. 
So I'm, I'm assuming that Ross felt, felt an allegiance to uh, Tannehill, and there's every reason in the world to think that because the kid works hard. He's got the shiny image. Uh, he's somebody you'd want as the face of your franchise. So I'm imagining that these guys sit down, Gase and, and Ross, in this uh, initial interview uh, stage, and uh, they had to discuss how Gase felt about mentoring him. Uh, I'm sure they looked at film of him, and they discussed him, and uh, uh, I, I'm sure Gase, before he came in, looked at film of him and uh, saw his physical tools, and, and I'm sure that it probably got, you know, Gase's creative juices flowing. So Gase is attracted at the, at the idea of helping him further his career. Uh, and at some point, I'm sure during that conversation, uh, the, the thought had to come up, well, what if it doesn't happen? What, what if Ryan doesn't excel? Maybe he has a career-ending injury. Any possible number of things can happen. But what if it doesn't? What if it turns out he's not the guy? Uh, well, Ross may ask him something like, how long do you think it would take for you to know? Uh, assuming he doesn't have a career on the injury and it's just not perform it's, you know, performance based. And uh, let's assume just for the sake of argument, Gay says two years. I should know after two years. Uh, Ross says, I'll give you three. At the end of that three year term, we'll let you pick your own quarterback and work out the conclusion of your contract. Uh, that way you have a fair chance with uh, the quarterback that you select. Now, on the other side of this, you've got Tannenbaum trying to clean up a cat mess. You have a roster that needs rebuilding, and all of that takes time. About the same amount of time the coach is going to need to assess the QB, roughly. Okay? Uh, you're going to lose some players to age. You're going to lose uh, free agents in the process, and those people have to be replaced. So I believe they devised a strategy to... Stop signing top-shelf free agents. Just sign stop gaps because we're trying to clear the books. So you don't want many contracts moving forward of a couple of years. Okay, now, if you move ahead and you, and you look at our books from, uh, from in 2020, there's not one player on the roster whose cap hit is more than 5% of the available cap, with the exception of Tannehill and Rashad Jones. Now, Jones can be let go at the cost of $8 million in dead money and Tannehill $5 million in dead money. So both are doable should they decide they don't want them. Now, we got to talk about 2019 real quick because in 2019, we have some free agents. Uh, Wake, Hayes, Juwan James, and Frank Gore. None of the other free agents are going to garner any type of significant money. So the only guy there I can see really costing anything is Juwan James. Uh, the only possible exception would be Devontae Parker, but I wonder how many people think he's going to be back. So there's nothing in 2019 that makes you think we're going to hurt this good book situation in 2020. Now, in 2020, you've got uh, Quinn, Branch, Sitton, Amendola, Spence, Larson, Howard, Aikens, Drake, Grant, and Hack becoming free agents. Now, of those, the guys that I think you'd have to have back at this point would be Howard, Hack, Grant, and possibly Drake. Howard's the only guy of that group that I think would cost significant money. If Grant's going to cost significant money, you find a running back. So 
I don't see that situation hurting the books much. So they are in a very good situation moving forward uh, if they make smart decisions over the next couple of free agency periods. I think it's a very optimistic uh, situation. Uh, there, there is no reason why in uh, 2020 we can't have a serious amount of cap money available to us and we have, would have had 2019's draft picks and 2020's draft picks. That's two drafts to help build the core of this team in addition to what we have now. I think that puts us in a much, much better situation than we are in today. And I think it explains why they're hiring some of these old guys and, you know, like Sitton and uh, uh, Larson, you know, and, and some of these older players. They're stopgaps. They're, they're not solutions. And they're doing it with this mythology. And, you know, and so in year four and year five of Gase's tenure, they can really put a solid team together and have the resources to do so. Does that make any sense to you guys? It makes complete sense as far as I'm concerned for a couple of reasons. And the one reason that sticks out a lot to me is the draft part. You have seen, at least I have seen, some some drafts, the last couple of drafts that have begun to build that core that we're talking about. You've got some really good young talent on this team, Xavier Howard, who, by the way, I, I think has to be paid this offseason. I think I think it'd be a lot smarter to get him paid this year than it would be next year. You have guys like Bobby McCain, who's great in the slot, who we just paid. You got a couple of good young linebackers, and you got Minka Fitzpatrick, who is, I mean, he takes the Swiss Army knife to a whole new level. They talked about him being a Swiss Army knife. I, he's just amazing back there. He can do it all. And you have so you have seen those young talent get getting brought in. And I think at this point, Gase knows, Tannenbaum knows, Greer knows that they don't they don't have what they want in Tannehill. I mean, they have to know. So I agree. I agree that you see you've already seen guys like Jarvis not get paid. You've seen guys like Indomic and Sue released and let go. These guys, they had to get those money off the book, off the books. Had to get those monies off the books, and so. Uh, I do agree. I think that we are in a really good position in, in a couple of years' time to have a good solid core and to be able to start competing again. They'll be able to build that core. Yeah, and, and on, a, on a second note, like the coaches have done – there's a lot of people saying the coaches need to be fired, we need to start over, we need to just rip the whole building down and build it again. Look, these coaches have done a fantastic job – with the amount of injuries and the lack of talent because of those injuries to keep us in the hunt. And maybe we need to not be in the hunt so that we get those elite players in the draft, honestly. But I, I think our coaches have done a great job, and, and I'm super excited about the future, the continued building of that young talent and the core that this team has put together. Well, you're, you're generally positive overall. I'm, I'm more of a cynic. You damn but, right uh, I am. Yeah, no, I know you are. <laughs> but uh, when when I look at this, it makes perfect sense, and it, it explains everything to me. Uh, it explains why they're struggling along and why they look clueless and rudderless. They're not. They're not clueless or rudderless. I believe they know exactly what they're doing. How do you feel, Jim? 
I was just going to say, Jim, do you think that Mike is being an optimist here and seeing what we think that we should see? Because that's what should be happening, right? What Mike's talking about? Well, I got to say, Mike just said that you're the optimist of the three of us. And and I agree with most of Mike's uh, thought process and theory with, with Gase's whole procedure. But I'm a little less optimistic about whether they'll be able to put all the right pieces together to make this plan happen. Uh, I can I can completely see what you're talking about, Mike. Where where they're they've jettisoned uh, some high end players and gotten rid of some me first guys. Literally uh, all the high end players. Oh, I I know it. We've seen it, and they've been smart. I mean, everybody was upset about the Landry thing, but um, I mean, you just can't pay that kind of money for. Uh, he got like seventy five million dollars for five years, and. You know, if you if you go by the number of touchdowns the guy scores, uh, you know that's that's just out of the realm. Um, so uh, to me, you know, he was one of my favorite players. I love to watch him play, but you Agreed. just you just can't you can't throw that kind of money at it. So no, I believe he can for a cornerback, though. Well, yeah, I mean, a cornerback can can really make the difference in the back end, especially come playoff time. Uh, you know the Akib Talibs out there, and and Pete, Patrick Petersons of the world. You know they can. And the Xavier Howards of the and, world. And and like you said, Daniel, you know lock up a uh, Xavier Howard before he hits the market when he's a free agent and you can't afford to sign him. So lock him up. But getting back to what you were talking about, Mike, I I completely agree with with your thought process on that, and it kind of makes sense where I can see Ross and Gase having this conversation. Uh, and say, hey, we got this guy Ryan Tannehill. What do you think you can do? And and are you willing to work with him? Um, and let's see where we can go. My issue is now we're a bit over a barrel, and he hasn't really been able to even evaluate Tannehill all that well. Uh, even though it should be pretty clear to everybody that watches him play that he's he's not going to suddenly blossom i but, think i think gase knows exactly what Tannehill is yeah I think so too and you know when you look at gase this year in his interviews um i see a combination of things i see irritation from you know reporters asking dumb questions obviously but you see the frustration um and you know i mean when you keep losing players to injuries it's it's got to be like uh, where do i go from here and it just continues on and on and on and you know he he has this plan per se and a lot of people you know are putting you know saying he's on the hot seat he's got to go blah 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 but if if he's going to make this thing happen like you say in the next couple of drafts by putting all these core pieces together um, and we have drafted better the last couple of years uh, with Gase and Greer and Tannenbaum rather than the Ireland mess. But it's it's still difficult for me to be optimistic that they're going to make the right decisions about players and and to get this thing rolling. I, I'm, I do like the gist that we're going. We do have some core players, and our books will be very good shape in the next couple of years. Uh, so the so the definitely the, they're setting the table to be able to put all the good stuff out there. 
Uh, it's just a matter of if they burn it or undercook it, I think, at well, this there's point. there's no question. There's, there's a lot of positions to fill yet, and uh, they've got their work cut out for them. But all I'm saying is they've set the table, to, to use your phrase. It's out there for them. Uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. They have been very smart with the books. Uh, now it's just a matter of finding that quarterback. It's a matter of fortifying the offensive line, something we've struggled to do. But once they have a little bit more money to spend, it may not be as difficult. Uh, yeah. So these are things to think about. There's a couple of points I wanted to make while we're talking about this. And Jim, you was just talking about Tannehill and rather Gase knows what he has in him or not. And one of the things that I have seen from Gase is – an undying loyalty to, you know, I want to say to Tannehill. To any quarterback. But but really, I think what we're seeing from him is an undying loyalty to the men, the players who are team-oriented and hard workers. Because you see guys like Jay Ajay and Jarvis Landry being allowed to leave or jettisoned away from us in a trade. And then you see guys like Tannehill who he is sticking behind or Kenny Stills, who ends up getting paid. You know, we didn't pay Jarvis Landry, but we paid Kenny Stills. And so Tan so Gase is loyal to his guys and he's going to be loyal to his guys in the media. And he's going to be loyal to his guys behind the scenes, but only the guys who are team first and guys who are putting forth the effort, the guys who are making, making the work their priority. And, and I love that about Gase on one hand, and on the other hand, I don't because we need to see some sort of honesty from him as well about what he really sees from these guys. Now, I say that because really I'm talking about Tannehill. We need to see, we need to see his honesty on what he really sees from Tannehill, and rather he thinks that Tannehill is going to be the future or not, because if you look at it, you talk about the books, Mike. I think we're kind of stuck with Tannehill for another year, right? We're stuck with Tannehill until at least 2020 as far as contract is concerned. Am I mistaken? Not really. I mean, it it just depends on whether they want to bite the bullet or not. It's basically a $13 million cap hit if they um, cut it. Now, keep in mind, they've also got $13 million left on the books from Sue. Right. So for next season, wanna, yes. So do they want to have twenty six million in dead money on the books? That's a question I can't answer. Uh, but it just depends on how they want to do it. You know, they could do it if they want to, but I'm not sure it's smart. I think I would keep Tannehill. Yeah. And uh, uh, let him, you know, let the rookie sit behind him or whatever. I mean, I figure next year is going to be a wasted year anyway. You know, it's just another building year. Yep. I agree. It's going to be another building year, another year for the young guys to get the experience and the progression that we're looking for. We talked about that really good core. I, I think that it's going to be everybody wants to see us go out and get a quarterback this offseason in, in either free agency or the draft. I think it's going to be hard pressed for us to go out and pay Teddy Bridgewater the kind of money that he's probably going to get paid. Although that's what I would like to see. Maybe some sort of prove it deal. Uh I do think that we end up taking a quarterback yeah. in the draft. Uh, they can do I that. I do think that we end up taking a quarterback in the I draft next Bridgewater year. I don't think Bridgewater is going to cost more than $13 million. Well, I don't know, man. Sam Bradford just got paid 20 for one year and then cut after three games. So, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah there, I there, just, there are teams out there very desperate for quarterbacks. And yeah. Bridgewater, 
you know, when he was injured, he was he was one of the top rated quarterbacks and everybody thought he was he was it, man. So, you know, they might take a flyer on it. Yeah, I'm saying they, they could probably do it if they want to because they're going to save $13 million on Tannehill. Yep, and, so, you know, nobody wants to hear this, but they might also target a guy like Tyrod Taylor, some guy who's not flashy but doesn't turn the ball over a lot because that's – we don't need a bunch of turnovers. We just we need somebody who's capable, but, you know, that's not going to turn the ball over a lot like Tannehill does. And then the second point I wanted to make was – and you just nailed it, Mike. I think next year is another rebuilding year. So what I, I see a lot of trenches coming for us in the draft. I see the skill position players taking kind of a backseat so that we can build in the trenches. We need the offensive linemen. We've got a couple of bright young stars on the defensive line, but I think that we definitely draft along that defensive line as far as edge rushers and DTs go as well. So then once we do get the quarterback of the future in hopefully 2020, that he's going to have solid performances in front of him on that offensive line. Yeah, I I have to really struggle with this whole Tannehill thing. I, I, looking at it from my my point of view personally, I, I just cut his ass, as Daniel would say. I'm 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 done. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't I don't want to go into the to the game wondering how this is going to go. I, I'm just. It's it's a frustration I've been living with for seven years, and I'm done with it. Um, I'm with you, man. As a fan base, though, when you, you talk, you know, you talk to all the Dolphins fans, and the majority of majority of the ones that I talk to now have decided that Tannehill needs to go. He's not the guy. He's not going to blossom. And and if they, you know, maybe the smart financial thing to do is to is to keep him on the team, so you're not having that 13 million in dead money on there. But on the other hand, you're you're paying him 26 million dollars to to do what? Fill out a fill out a year? You know, we're talking about next year being another rebuilding year, and working towards um, that great cap number in 2020 and so forth. Um, Man, that's 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 going to be very frustrating as a fan base to 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 go through another year of that. So if it was me, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna you know cut my losses and well, take it take it on the okay, chin but, and, but and go let's, let's, go new direction. Let's understand the problem is he's not staying healthy. So oh, there's, there's, exactly. There's no progression there. You're not getting your money's worth out of him. Um, so, you know, they have to ask themselves, do they want to risk that again? You know, <laughs> uh, maybe you bring in Bridgewater, but he had a knee injury as well. So is that the way to go? You know, there's so many different possibilities. Uh, maybe they draft somebody this year and, and go that route. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but whatever they do, they're going to do something. They have to, and it, but it doesn't have to be done this year. It has to be done within the next two. Yeah. The way I, I see it. I wouldn't be surprised to see us pick somebody in the second or third round under center and go with him and Falk, you know, let them battle it out for the starter and and cut Tannehill's ass, mostly because he can't stay healthy. Well, here's my thought on that. If you pick a guy in the second round or something that's not your chosen one, uh, you're basically, you just wasted a good second round draft pick on, on another key offensive or defensive linemen or whatever that you th- you think we need which we obviously do um 
So if it's me, I, I would I would look for that stopgap type quarterback. You know, the Tyrod Taylor, the the uh, Bridgewater. Uh, try anybody, really. I don't really care at this point. I know the old saying, "The devil you know is better than the devil you don't." But what difference does it really make if Tannehill stays? You know, it's probably his last year because Gase is going to pick his new guy in maybe 2020 when the uh, the quarterback class is better coming out of college but I don't know this is a this is a, I can't even imagine the, the 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 conversations these front office guys are having over this themselves and the decisions they got to make it's uh, it's got to be difficult here's <laughs> here's the question I would have if it was me what's going to energize our fan base more Going another year with Tannehill or bringing in Bridgewater or drafting a rookie? I mean, what's, what is going to energize our fan base? Yeah, what's going to sell tickets, yep. sell jerseys, yep. keep people excited for the young stars that are building on this team? The state of our franchise is one that's trending in a positive direction, guys. It's just going to take a little bit more patience. Yeah, I think we're on the right track. Uh, you know, if we can, you know, in the next couple of years, we get, we get younger overall and uh, – um, the the quarterback issue is is the whole thing though. So they have to they have to play their cards right so that so that something works out. Yeah, they got to find the right guy. I mean, yeah. that's that's the challenge. And think about it this way too: Brady's on his way out. Now he's still Brady. Brady's on his way out in the next couple of years. Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are young QBs who are looked at as franchise guys, and we've got nothing. Yep. So our future is bright, but we've got nothing under center right now. And we just have to continue to, to build those blocks for the solid foundation so that when we have a QB, he doesn't get harassed and bullied like Josh Josh Allen. And he doesn't throw all those picks like Sam Darnold. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, They've got to fix the line. That's got to be a priority. Absolutely. Build the trenches, bud. Yeah. Build the trenches. Yep. All right. Anything else tonight, guys? That's all I've got for... All of you that are listening for the first time, we want to welcome you to the Fin Fans Podcast. We want you to, to like, subscribe, comment, let others know about this thing. We're looking for you to give us some feedback as well. And for any of you that don't know, we are linked with a page on Facebook called Miami Dolphins Number One. That's Miami Dolphins Hashtag One. Come there and join in the conversations. We have these conversations daily, and we'd love to get you on the page and be a member. So come sign up to be a member of the page and we look forward to bringing more info to you weekly good sales pitch there daniel yeah Boom. the more the merrier over there we 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 like to, to to discuss dolphins day in day out all day long so the more the merrier you make it sound like we're obsessed we are a little obsessed with the miami dolphins as you can yeah, tell by are. my son's names uh, Ethan Marino and Case and Taylor, uh, they will tell you one day that I am obsessed with the Miami Dolphins. For uh, for all of you that are already on the page that are listening, look forward to this Monday's live cast with Troy Stratford. Sounds good, Daniel. All right, guys, I got one thing to say. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up. <laughs>